Chattahoochee, copyright 2023, by Randy Cooper. All rights reserved. No parts of this podcast may be used or reproduced by any means without the expressed written permission of the author. Chattahoochee, Chapter 17. Miriam Zimmerman had a special day planned. She picked up her granddaughters this morning and was spending the day with them. Julie, five, and Natalie, three, were absolutely cherubic and bouncing off the walls, happy to be spending the day with their grandmother instead of going to daycare. Miriam had been at her daughter's house early to pick them up and treated them to breakfast at their favorite dining establishment, McDonald's. In all likelihood, a repeat visit would be requested for lunch, and she would be more than happy to indulge them. Riding along in her Cadillac, she thought fondly of when Kate was young. Kate was her only daughter, and she cherished the special relationship they had and enjoyed being an active part of her granddaughter's lives. After Miriam's husband had died, she considered moving to Florida to one of the many retirement communities. She had plenty of money, and she would have loved living near the ocean, but she made a decision that being in close proximity to Kate and the kids was more important especially after Kate's divorce. She sold the large house that she and Harold shared for more than 35 years and bought a small condominium close to Kate's neighborhood. She loved not having to worry about yard work and enjoyed the security of her gated community. Many of the residents were her age, and they looked out for one another. When she pulled into the small park near the Chattahoochee Nature Center, she wasn't surprised not a single car was there. School had been in session for weeks, and once again, nature had regained the dominion of serenity instead of teenagers scrambling all over. There was a long walkway leading to the playground, the river to the right, and the steeped wooded hills to the left. Nestled in the woods was a small series of decks, intended to provide areas for small families, But in actuality, its highest usage was Friday and Saturday nights when teenagers would gather in small groups drinking beer and smoking pot. It seldom got too wild and wasn't considered a public nuisance because the people it would offend didn't use the park during those hours anyway. The Department of Recreation was always really good about keeping the area clean and showed up in force each Monday morning to ensure it was free of debris. Miriam was well aware of this routine and knew that on Wednesday the area would be pristine. The girls enjoyed running along the stairs and walkways that connected the system of decks. She knew from her experience as a mother it was good to let the children run and play and tire themselves out. She knew that after lunch, once she had laid them down for a nap in her guest bedroom, She would brew a pot of hazelnut-flavored coffee and sit down to watch her afternoon soap operas. She waited at the bottom of the hill and watched them dart up the stairs, and along the walkways they returned to Miriam at the bottom of the hill far sooner than expected, wide-eyed and sweaty. "'Guess what?' Julie proffered. "'What is it, my dear? There's a lady up there getting a tan.' "'Really?' Natalie giggled and she's naked. They both laughed and ran off toward the playground. Miriam felt something was off. 
and she carefully walked up the steps and began working her way through the maze of decks. She could hear the girls playing and could see them through the trees, so she continued her quest, coming nearer to the playground all the while. When she got to the last series of decks, she thought she saw a discarded roll of carpet laying there, but soon discovered the body of a naked woman, pale and obviously quite dead. She fumbled to get the phone out of her purse, running towards the playground. She called the girls who came obediently, and she was talking with 911 as she locked them in the car and waited for the police to arrive. What's the matter, Nana? Julie wanted to know. We wanted to play more, Natalie pouted. We'll play more a little later, Miriam promised. Right now we need to wait until the police come because the lady that was sunbathing needs help. Oh, that's it, they spoke together. Content that their questions were satisfied, they began to sing. Tyra and I arrived at the crime scene just minutes after the uniforms got there. The parking lot was soon full of patrol cars, the medical examiner, and the crime scene investigation unit. You could barely get in the entrance because of the news vans, and we were pleased that the tree cover made it impossible for the news helicopters to effectively invade our privacy. We learned the body was discovered by a woman and her two grandchildren, and we spoke to her and released them. The sight of the body was shocking to us, but we could see how the girls had thought the woman was sunbathing. The body was posed so the arms were straight out to the sides, legs together crossed at the ankles. There was a common steak knife that was remaining in her side, but little blood near the wound. Do you see what I see? Tyra asked. Yes, escalation, the first body hidden and concealed, the next body he wanted us to find, left right out in the open. Now he's posed her, displaying his work, showing his power and control. No, Craig, the pose. Do you see the significance of the pose? Well, it's not of a sexual nature in keeping with his signature. I'll bet we find no evidence of sexual assault with this one either. I think we should spray the woman and blacklight the scene when it gets dark to see if we have any seminal fluid we might be able to find. Craig, you're missing it. She looked at me dead in the eye. She's posed as a crucifix. I looked at the body and looked again. Then I swear, every hair on my body stood on end. Oh my God. It was then I heard her. Craig, help me, Craig. My stomach churned and my legs turned rubbery. I felt as if I would vomit. I struggled to get my brain back on track. This guy's got issues, really, really deep issues, Tyra said. Dvorak. I heard my name called from the bottom of the hill and saw Lieutenant DiNapoli motioning me down. I looked at Tyra and she just nodded. When I got to the lieutenant, instead of talking to me, he walked down the walkway away from the parking lot. We came to a small playground where we were alone. This shit's gotten out of hand. Skillfully, I remained silent. I'm going to crank up that task force. This is the third victim. We got to show the public that we're doing everything we can. I'm putting you in charge. No. No what? You don't like my idea or you just don't want to be in charge? 
No task force. Dvorak. His face began to redden and his volume increase. Am I fucking reading news right? I said I was going to start a damn task force. I cut him off. If you start that task force, the first thing you'll do is issue a press release, which every news station in town will carry. Yeah, and the public will know we're going balls to the wall with this thing. We're going to kick some ass and take some names. If you were the killer, what would you do? He looked at me strange. What the fuck do you mean by that? I mean, this guy will go underground. He'll lay low until we back off, and then it'll start all over again. That is absolutely the worst thing we could do. So now you're calling me stupid, huh? Is that what you're saying? So, wise guy, Mr. Fucking Genius, what's your idea? His signature is public parks along the river in North Fulton County. We stake them out. Every damn one of them. But we do it so no one knows. Camouflage and concealment. Night vision goggles. The works. These guys need to blend in with the rocks and trees. This mission must maintain the highest security. I want no way for this guy to know about our operation. And no way for him to see our guys even if he's looking straight at them. We know the victim is alive when they arrive at the scene. We'll outfit our teams with a sniper and take that guy out if it looks like we can't make an arrest in time. It's the only way. DiNapoli was silent, thinking, brooding. What do you need? Our SWAT team may not have enough guys. We may need to borrow SWATs from surrounding counties, maybe even further out. We need them all here on site to be briefed tomorrow morning. At that briefing, I want a camouflage and concealment expert from the 3rd Infantry Division at Fort Stewart near Savannah. Fly him in tonight. Tomorrow night, I want every public park near the Chattahoochee staked out by these guys, and only God and our inner circle need to know about it. He closed one eye and looked at me with the other while he lit a cigar. He turned to walk away, but then turned back around to face me. Hey, Dvorak. Yes, sir. Nice to see you finally decided to grow a pair. He smiled, turned, and walked away. Between the crime scene and the medical examiner, the rest of the day was shot. On the way home, I stopped by the grocery store and picked up a dozen of the prepared dinners that Patricia had talked about. I was driving back to my apartment when I decided to call my mom. Craig, what a surprise! She rambled on for 20 minutes about her health, her church activities, her friends, and her walks on the beach. I told her I'd been staying busy, but that I would be seeing Timothy this weekend. She made me promise to call her while we were together so she could talk to him, and she resolved to call him more often. Neglect must run in the family. When I got home, I warmed up one of the dinners and was really surprised it tasted so good. I took a shower, threw on a pair of pajama bottoms and a t-shirt, turned on my PC and checked my email. I had five emails from ladies that I had previously corresponded with online and sent each a message back that I would no longer be available to swap emails, but if they wanted to get together face-to-face -face for a date and get to know one another, that'd be great. I clicked on shutdown and decided to go to bed early again. A restful night's sleep had helped me today.